and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Today from Libu Life. Hi, Alice. Hello. Um, Alice runs a beautiful business that makes belts and um, dog collars and all sorts of beautiful, beautiful leather things with beads and all sorts of lovely stuff and has a very funny and um, fascinating story as to how on earth she came about. Um, as she says, she went to buy a belt and came out of the business. So <laughs> we're going to find a little bit more about that today. So Alice, just tell us a little bit about Libu Life and what it what it is. Um, so we import fairly traded leather goods from Kenya. Um, we've got a workshop in Nairobi who um, actually produce the items. Um, they come to us pretty much fully formed. So I had a shipment yesterday, um, which is piled up behind me, which is very exciting to like wade my way through. Um, each piece is, although we have certain guidelines of design and colour, they, it's up to the mummers what they bead. So every item has got its own little quirk, its own individual look. Um, and yeah, so we do belts, collars, brow bands, um, leads, um, key rings, all, like, all sorts. If you can put beads on it and it's leather, we can do it. <laughs> cool, okay. And so um, how did you, come, tell us the story then, I love this story. How did you so, come about? Um, Burley 2018. So the business existed before it was my business. Um, I'd been popping into Burley. I'm a Burley addict. Um, so very sad this year. Um, I'd been popping in to see Ella and Peter who owned the business for a good few years and got chatting to one of the girls on the stand because um, Ella and Peter were off. They just had a baby. So they were sat to the side having a five minute break. And um, it turned out to be Ella's cousin. Um, let slip that Ella and Peter were thinking about either selling or giving up the business because they were living in France and it was just a lot to juggle. Um, it's quite, as I've learned, a time consuming business. Um, and I sort of walked away with my, I think I had two brow bands and a belt um, and went home and just, I couldn't get it out of my head. I didn't know why I couldn't stop thinking about it but I just set up my marketing business and I had a little bit of extra time on my hands my dad has always instilled in me like variety is the spice of life and you know don't put all your eggs in one basket so I was like well this is another basket and I just I emailed them out of the blue I'd been to um I'd seen somebody and we'd been talking about Kenya and and I got in the car and I just I was like I've got to email them so I emailed them and said um really cheeky but it was let slip on the stand that you might be considering either selling or you know moving on with the business would you by any chance consider me and um they gave me a good grilling they made sure that I was the right person because there was a few people in the running bigger businesses um and I was the lucky one um and the blinking with pretty much two years down the line which is crazy Okay, so you bought a business, <laughs> yeah. which most people don't buy a business. Most people set it up from scratch or yeah. what have you. So what was it like then having bought a, a, a business that was already running and doing things? What was that kind of challenges and stuff? It was really strange because I'd got 
two other got two other businesses a property business which I started from scratch and the marketing business which I started from scratch they're mine I know exactly how they work I know what goes where and you know I know everything whereas coming into an existing business with an existing client base a very passionate almost like fan group of the products because they are the kind of products that somebody buys one and then they want to like collect all the other colors or patterns or what have you so it was getting to grips with things like the website um it was now i'm very website savvy um but somebody else had built this and i was like what is this um none of it made sense i couldn't work out how the SKUs had worked i'd worked in retail before but i'd never had a product-based business of my very own so there was me thinking, oh, this will be fine. You know, we just sell some stuff, right? Um, and it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, and I knew I had the marketing side, you know, pretty much done, but I'd never set up a show stand. You know, we were going to Badminton Burley, the two biggest events in the eventing calendar. And I can't use an electric screwdriver. <laughs> And we had this, we had this stand which we'd inherited. Pete's an engineer by background. So he built this stand which you hand to me, five foot nothing, you know, with a ladder and a and an electric screwdriver. And I was like, I can't do this. I, ge I genuinely, we got to badminton last year and I thought, I can't do this. I it's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna have a stand. What am I gonna do? Um, but by some miracle and a hell of a lot of support from other people i'm very lucky to have an amazing support crew who love the products as much as i do um and a very um uh tolerant husband i think is probably the word i told him that we were buying a business and that he would be a director and he sort of went okay <laughs> um but he sort of You've got to love a tolerant husband i mean i think so <laughs> many of us female entrepreneurs have got you know the husband just goes yes okay whatever darling have fun he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't ask anymore he sort of just just nods and goes okay fine okay. yeah yeah i'm sure <laughs> like what business are you working on today okay fine i'm going to work now <laughs> um so yeah getting buying somebody else's business was just nobody's brain works the same we're all programmed differently and we all have different ways of working and actually one thing um having the last three months of obviously events being cancelled and a lot more downtime um i have built a new website on a platform that i like from an e-commerce perspective so it all makes sense with SKUs that make sense to me rather than trying to work out what and it was all done in a specific way. I get that, but it just wasn't my way and I didn't understand. So yeah, it's, um, but it's brilliant because actually you can hit the ground running. And that was really nice because I had people coming to me, telling me as the business owner that they'd had collars for years and how much they loved them. And could we have another one? And actually that's a real morale boost when you're two months in going, oh my god I don't know what I'm doing why why did I think this was a good idea and that must have been a marketeer's dream to already have a loyal client base to build from it was it was so it was quite a so Ella and Peter were, were quite open with the fact that they would built a really loyal badminton and burly crew 
but the marketing in between was very limited. Um, they had a, had a social media presence, but they didn't really enjoy it. Like so many business owners, social media, they're like, oh, do we have to? Um, and particularly with a, a little person joining the team, um, they just didn't have the time. So I had this amazing blank canvas to build pretty much whatever I wanted and talk about an aesthetic product like photo shoots for Libu are just the most fun because there's dogs there's horses and there's people in pretty belts like absolute dream what could you want I know (laughs) dogs horses and pretty things that's the girl's dream sure you just need a bit of prosecco thrown in there and it's absolutely you know or gin whatever yeah Okay, so you've got, so essentially you've got three businesses then. You've got property, yeah. marketing, and a product-based business. Yeah. What would you say are the sort of the main differences between the three of those? Um, well, the property business um, is slightly feast or famine in terms of time requirements. Um, when the properties are tenanted and everyone's happy, I barely hear from that business because it's sort of, tucked away and and you know houses most of the time aren't too needy until they need rewiring or something um so that business I sort of dip in and out of to a certain extent we've got some HMO projects and things that I am part of but I'm pretty silent in so that's quite nice because I kind of know that that's ticking um the product-based business, I mean, the last three months has been bizarre because we've not had the events that we thought. We've had to turn the marketing up on, on its head and totally rethink our approach because our two biggest outlets, Burnley and Badminton, are gone. And that was weird. And then the marketing business, that's my people business. That's all about relationships. Well, they're actually, in fairness, they're both about relationships, really, because... I think with any luxury product, and we do sit in a luxury price point, um, it's about building relationships and helping people understand the products. They're not just going to, it's not like going to buy a belt from Primark or a belt from H&M. You're going to buy the belt that you really love and it's going to take a little bit longer and a bit more nurturing. Um, and I think I couldn't, I don't think I'd be, could be in a product-based business where you're sort of doing really high volumes, faceless, nameless. Um, that wouldn't suit me. And it's the same with our marketing business. We, Charlotte and I are the business. Um, and, you know, people work with us, I hope because we're good at what we do, but also because they like us as people and want, want to work with us. Um, but I'd say they certainly, the product-based business and the marketing business work really well together because it's our perfect case study and certainly the last three three four months has been proof of that because I've really had to sit back and go well firstly pull my head out of the sand because I was in denial for a period of time I think we all kind of went oh I don't know what to do and then once Burley had cancelled I was like come on Alice you need you need to face up to the fact that we need to change because I'd slightly just gone oh well we do we do great turnover at Burley and Badminton easy bit of Facebook bit of this bit of that and actually that in hindsight didn't serve us so well um but it's 
a little bit treating Libu like a client. I've got to treat it like a client because otherwise it ends up at the bottom of the pile because paying clients come first um, on the marketing side. So we've treated Libu like a client. I'm, I'm keep looking up here because all the collars are up here. So I'm like, oh, here they are. <laughs> can you show um, us any? You got anyone to uh, see or not easily? I can, I can Go on, show, show you. us those. We keep talking about this one. I want to see this. I was about to grab all the new colours, and I was like, "No, definitely can't show you those." Oh, that would have been a great little internet leak. <laughs> that would have been a coup. People on the podcast wouldn't be able to uh, see it, of course. But you know, let me okay, let me let's... take. Gonna to have to do some descriptions. Let me take the. Um, I've just taken the special edition colours out. Oh, <laughs> I wanted a little sneaky preview then. I've... Okay. Right, so, what we've so got, they're beautiful. They're so multicolored. The yeah, wow. so really multi. So really, really bright. Or we do some, some yeah, more, more muted, neutral tones. Um, and so you were most, talking about the, the ladies out in oh, that lurchers. Because obviously we're. Greyhound. I could never find good greyhound colours. We're a lurcher. We're a lurcher family. Yeah, and they're so beautiful. So you were saying about. Um, uh, the the ladies that make them and things they don't have a pattern or anything. Now, there's there, there's some similar ones there and some in the same kind of color scheme. So how much kind of say do you have over that? Um, so we can we can have what we want. So basically, what happens is um, we've got set designs that we work with. Five, we've got five set designs um, which we use on the collars and the brow bands because with those we need a little bit more structure. So when I order something like that, um, the team in the workshop will bag up the beads and then they'll deliver those out to the villages and say, this is what we need with, with these beads. And they'll come back then in panels and then get stitched onto, onto the leather. With the belts, I say, do what you fancy. These are the colors we want to use. Like for example, I've got two special editions here that I can show you because these are special orders. So this is for my friend, Eleanor. Um, so <gasps> she said that she wanted turquoises and blues and whites. So well, that's what I said, but we didn't dictate more than the bead colors. Um, that's gorgeous. Then, so just for the people that are on the podcast, that's a beautiful kind of like arrow, blues and things with lots of sort of triangles. And bit. I oh, call it the Christmas tree design. Okay, yeah, I can see how that's Christmas it looks tree. Like Christmas tree. Yeah, little triangles um, and things. That's lovely. And then this is for, um, Eleanor's son actually who golfs for Ireland I was gonna say it, that looks like Irish, Irish to me the Irish colors there oh it's beautiful and the, and the beads are so shiny aren't they they really I know yeah the beads well the beads I mean we've got so many different beads that we work with the bead charts massive and that's the fun that's what I love about it is putting colors together and that's my creative side um and the patterns I just, I love opening, yesterday was the best because I opened up the box and I had all these new belts with new patterns that I've never seen before. And it's just so, it's like Christmas whenever I get a delivery. Um, and they're just so talented. I don't know how they work so into, the, the, the beads are tiny, they're absolutely tiny. Um, and they can do it in such intricate patterns. And uh, it fascinates me, What like watching it be done fascinates me. And so these things are all done in Kenya. So tell us a bit about the values and the ethics of the company then. So the, the, the biggest thing for me and where the business has come from is that things are fairly traded. Um, so often you pick up things that aren't and it's all about slowing down fashion and creating pieces that people want 
to keep and love. Um, we give 20% of profits back to the Savo Trust. So all these products are made in Savo. Um, and that is all about creating cohesion between community and the wildlife that they live with. Um, and it's, it's a, I think people forget when they buy a belt or, you know, a leather product that there is different levels of leather. You know, one leather is not every leather. The leather that we use is out of the meat trade in Nairobi. So it's, it's all from a, from a recycling point of view, it's keep you know, using the whole animal. Um, the brass is all recycled brass and it's just about making pieces that people will treasure and love because they're beautiful but also knowing that they've not been made just for the sake of making them they've been put together and it's all been thought through and we're supporting communities you know it's it's about giving the women in the villages an income a steady income um doing something that they love and being able to introduce people to something because people quite often will look at the products and go oh do you do this and I go god I wish I could do this and they find out how it's made and they're just like wow that is so amazing I had no idea that 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 is a Kenyan product and I'm like yeah and there's so much more that you can go and explore um so I think we've probably we've probably got a few people on a plane to Kenya as a result of the products because they go oh my god I need to go and I need to go see where these are made um so yeah it's a it's a passion project it's not going to make us it's not going to make us rich because we pay we pay quite a lot to get these products to the UK um and we try and give back as much as we can but it's so worth it it's so so worth it and so tell us a little bit about what's important to you about that then. So, you know, what is it that means that you're happily putting your valuable time and your energy into, I love that name, a passion product. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I think um, it's it's having a product that you feel you can in, invest, because it is a big investment, whether it's money, whether it's time, um, and having something that you feel in a little way is making a difference. And it's very, very difficult. I think the world is a very busy place at, at the moment in particular. Um, but I know that by promoting these products and selling these products, the end user gets something really, really beautiful. But that 40 pounds that they've spent on a collar is going back and actually it's making a difference both is both ways because when we buy the product it's fairly traded and the team in Nairobi are getting a, a fair price for what they're producing but also once it's sold we can then give a little bit more back and it's keeping that cycle going and and just yes yeah, slowing slowing down this sort of consumer I need this I need this I need this and actually going well how about having something that is a bit different it's a bit you know off center but that you know has been produced sustainably but also that will never go out of fashion 
because they're probably not really that in fashion but do you know what I mean they're not that in fashion but they're they're never going to date and they don't age you know they, they last forever they're not you know there's no built-in obsolescence here it's it's a product that you'll wear forever and so without built-in obsolescence with this idea of having something you keep forever and you love and it's a it's a luxury price point and what have you how then do you have customers come back what's the business model for you so it's usually so on the belts it's i want a different color or i want to buy one for a friend or i really loved it and i want the different we've got different widths um so they might want one pair for jeans, one pair for high-waisted jeans, different colours. That especially the turquoise one that I showed you earlier that we love, it's beautiful. Um, that is her third belt. So, you know, it's if you can make something that is high quality that people realise last, they will come back because they want a collection. With dogs, it tends to be, we've got a puppy, we want a different color you know it's that again with dogs it's and quite often and sadly if a dog passes away they want to keep that collar as that that dog's collar it's they they see it as belonging to that dog so they will come back and buy the puppy a new collar um brow bands us horsey ladies we love a little bit of variety and you know a change of cross-country colors obviously means a change of brow band <laughs> Absolutely. I've got a new horse who would suit my cross-country colours absolutely stunningly, but no, new horse. Got to have new colours. New colours. <laughs> yeah, um, they were her old colours. Yeah. It's the dog, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, when, I don't suppose you've got a brow band there to show us, because I'm trying to picture what a brow band might look like with these beautiful beads. I mean, I know they're tiny, but what kind of combinations do you get on a brow band? Oh, here we go. She is. Look, well prepared. Look this is why I moved my office around, so that everything was in reaching distance. There you go. So... Oh, so they're they're quite wide. They're nice, aren't they? Beautiful brow bands, quite so wide with lots of colours. Oh, of colour. So they're quite kind of like Argentine polo esque. That one's certainly quite sort of polo esque, isn't it? Yeah, I mean we. So quite often people um, people come to us because they've had Argentinian products previously, um, and the one thing that I will say, the beads, quite often with. Um, the thread and I've heard it before because I, I used to be quite involved in polo and um I've had a few of those belts I have never had the, the brow bands weren't really a thing when I was you know, 10, 10 years ago an Argentine belt was like woo, height of newness um and I found that mine is like stretched in the belt loops and things the beads do an amazing job of keeping the structure of the leather because leather does stretch um but the beads seem to hold the structure much better. Um, and a lot of people will say that they've got you know, some fantastic quality Argentine products out there and they just want something a bit different. And actually they kind of go quite well together because you can get colors that complement each other. And, um, and we do have, a, we've got a few polo cross players who are quite passionate about our products, which is really nice because it's nice to see them like in action. Okay, and so tell us then about the so the beads. You might think they might break, or the threads would go, and things. I mean, yours looks so tightly, compactly. You know, like yeah. compactly. That's not a word, but they look really compact, really tight, really solid. Because you know, I think a lot of people would see a beady product and be worried because of poor quality stuff that it would it would break or what have you. So how how do you know that yours are spot on and they live the test of time? 
Well, put it this way. I've had my collars on my dogs. My dogs, are, I think they've, my husband was on the night shift last night. So I think the dogs have gone back to bed with him. Um, my dogs have had their collars on for two years. My brow bands have been on my horses and ridden in them every day for two years. And they look exactly as they did when they started. And we have people coming back to us going, I just want to buy a new collar, but this one hasn't broken yet. And you sort of go, well, um, would you like a different colour one? <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm not going to say that every single one of our products is going to last. Natural products, leather, sometimes there is defects in, in the material. Sometimes a string of beads might go. And that unfortunately is just part and parcel of having a handmade product that involves natural um, uh, materials. Um, but it's it's very few and far between um and normally it's sort of getting towards the end of the lifespan of that product that that kind of thing starts to happen or if the one thing <laughs> salt water and leather i'm a big advocate of looking after your leather because it needs to be cared for and if it's not cared for it will start to struggle with life if, particularly if you've got a dog that loves being in the sea um ideally a different collar on for them to go in the sea is my advice a nice fabric collar um, that's easy to dry out um, but if they are going to go in the sea make sure you look after it so how would you look after it then you just clean it off wash it off condition it yeah exactly how you would with any any tack I use um I put this on everything before it leaves us called leather genie you see these guys it shows they're like do you want some of this on your boots? And you go, oh God, yeah, go on then. Um, but actually it is really good. Um, and this pot has lasted me years. Like I've, and I use this every day. Um, so I, tr I try and make sure that um, I sort of let people know, you know, this just because it's got beads on doesn't mean that you can just leave it. It does still need to be looked after. Cool. Okay. So we've heard about your products, which are gorgeous. Um, and, you know, about the ethics and that side of it and how passionate you clearly are about that. And obviously, this is one of those businesses where you say this isn't sort of a, a, a lifestyle business. This is this is something that you're doing because you're passionate about it. And something else has to like pay the bills and feed the dogs and the horses, clearly. Yeah. So what kind of... Um, what is it that keeps you going in your own business? What is it that stops you going and getting a job or, you know, when the days are hard because they are, what is it that keeps you going? Um, I think it's a little bit of don't let yourself down and also a little bit of people are watching like, you know, and also I, I think recently in the last, again, in the last three, four months, I feel like I say it over and over again, um, I've realised that it's okay to say, actually, I found this really hard and I did stick my head in the sand and no, I didn't really enjoy it for the, I didn't, I didn't know that I was finding it difficult at the time, but looking back on it, okay, yeah, you were showing some quite strange tendencies, like not wanting to get out of bed and, you know, struggling to even get yourself to your desk. That, you know, you, at the time you don't see it, but you come out of it and go, Hang on, so that, actually, that's not a good sign. Um, and I think I've always been, I started working when I was 14 and have always been so determined to be financially independent. And 
I actually really enjoy working and that sounds really strange but I I enjoy making money and I think that I think we a lot of people are are a bit shy of admitting that but there is nothing nicer than knowing that you are filling your bank account of your own accord um I was employed for many years after uni uh, during uni and after uni and but the most rewarding thing was when I had my first invoice paid that was the moment where I was like actually this is better than a paycheck this is this was 100% created by me and that is an amazing feeling absolutely amazing feeling and you're right I think you know money can be seen as this thing we're not allowed to talk about and you know um, a lot of people think it's vulgar to talk about money and what have you and we've a lot of us have grown up without actually any financial education actually when you think Mm. about it we're not actually taught how to manage money and what to do with money and I'm not talking about you know money in versus money out and budgeting and things I mean like really understanding money properly yeah and I think that's you know like you say people say oh it's an awful thing for someone to say I like having money but you do because because it gives you things it gives you freedom it gives you so, so what does it what does it do for you let's let's get into the dirty topic shall the we let's dirty money the topic. dirty money thing what what is it for you that means that because money in itself is nothing is it? it's a it's a figure on an app on a bit of paper whatever it is so what what does it do for you why freedom why why that it gives me so we as a we live in a in a slightly funny setup so we live on the family farm um we've got nieces and nephews here we've got mother-in-law grandmother-in-law we're all tucked in together and everybody pretty much works for themselves in one way or another and for me if I get I had the perfect example my mother-in-law rang me my my husband's a police officer so he is quite a structured rigid shift pattern that can be pretty harrowing at times Um, I got a phone call from my mother-in-law the other day. Alice, I seem to have bought afternoon tea. And I went, "Uh, okay, well, that doesn't happen by accident. You bought that. So yes, what? And she went, do you want to pop over at about four o'clock and we'll have afternoon tea? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I can do that. And I used to work, I, I started out when I graduated and we moved up to Nottinghamshire, I worked in recruitment and I was leaving the house at 20 past six in the morning and I was getting home at 7.30 at night because it was expected that you worked ridiculous hours for pretty little gain, really. Um, And it made me really miserable, really, really miserable. And again, I didn't see it at the time, but when I came out of it, And I went into the veterinary industry and I was in control of my own diary. Although I was still employed, um, I was in the field working with vets, kind of doing what I do now, but specifically for vets. Um, I suddenly realized that I spent 18 months being exhausted and I'd get to the weekend and just flop. And my eventing suffered as a result of it and all sorts of things. But um, so for me, having a bit of having money means flexibility and it's not being you know the big spender I'm not I'm tight I'm so tight so so tight um but it's having the ability to say yes to stuff that I haven't been able to say yes to before and that's not 
expensive holidays and stuff like that it's do you want to pop round like later for example I'm going to ride at three and then I'm going to go and help my friend jump her pony it's little things like that where I can just move my day around and give myself that flexibility so freedom's obviously very important for you flexibility mm. variety so we're learning yeah. some of your values here already yeah we can totally see how you became such a fab <laughs> entrepreneur and what is it then that means you're drawn to the type of businesses that you've got because that's three kind of very different businesses really isn't it very different um the beauty of property is you can it 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 can be relatively left alone, depending on what kind of investments you make. So I've got rental properties, sort of complete rental properties, um, that when they've got tenants in them are pretty happy. Um, And then I also invest in HMO developments, um, but I am a silent investor in that. So I basically say, here is my money. um, I'll see it again in six months or what have you. So that works for me because it just sort of happens and I think everyone talks about you know having a a passive income stream being amazing blah blah blah. and there's lots I think of trickery and mm, not very good schemes out there Um, but property if you you need to take the time to understand it if you understand it it's safe if you don't understand it and just go take my money you know do whatever that's when it gets dangerous Um, and, and the marketing business, we work with people that we really want to work with. Um, we tend to be attracted to particular people and, and, and it, it rolls out from there. Like someone will, will introduce you to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So suddenly you've got this amazing client base of really lovely people. And I am a bit of a people pleaser, if I'm honest. I like people going, oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. What a nice feeling. So and and we've helped a lot of businesses go from, you know, very, very early days to suddenly being in uh, Fortnum's, for example. That's cool. How cool is that to say that we've I've been sat with a brand from sitting and going, what the hell are we going to call this business through to they went live in Fortnum's a couple of weeks ago. That's cool. That's really cool. So. And, and Libu, I get to stand on a stand at Burley of Badminton, COVID like, aside, and talk to people about these lovely products, get to cuddle dogs and get to put belts on people that make them feel amazing and go, oh my God, yeah, I love this. That's cool. Like, it, they, they, all, they all just make me, I mean, the property doesn't set my world on fire. That's, that's sort of fairly boring. I mean, how exciting can a house be? Um, but the other side, I get to work with really cool people all the time. And I love that. And so that sounds to me then like you've worked away of having something that we would call your cash cow, which is your, it generates income. It's not very interesting. It does its mm. thing. It's solid. It's safe. It's fairly reliable. Yeah, there'll be fluctuations and things. You've got to give it a bit of attention every now and again, like with anything. Also, there is no such thing as a truly passive income. You have to work for it at some point, whether that be upfront to get it up and going, whether that be in the middle to keep it just ticking over, or whether that be when the the poop hits the fan, really, isn't yeah. it? You know, there is no such thing. However, what that does is keep it ticking. So you've got your your safe, dependable, reliable stuff going on there. Then you've got the bit that requires more work but is more people-y. So for you, that sounds like it's much more about 
creating something for someone else helping them supporting them creating something but it's not yours it's Mm. it's theirs and and being part of their team and then you've got your little piece where you get to have the fun and the enjoyment of things and you get to provide something for someone as well that's tangible yes so there's a whole lot of variety in there isn't there so you started off saying your father is said to you varieties the spice of life and my word you've you've lived by that one (laughs) exactly well he is the he um I was very lucky I was brought up on an amazing farm in Herefordshire and I think when I was well probably until I was a teenager I thought that was all that he did I thought that he was just a farmer a very well-educated farmer um he's got a PPE degree you know he should have probably been a politician I don't know um but as I've got older I've realized that he was doing so much more than just farming and I the more that I the more I mature into adult adulting the more I realize how similar we are and actually I think I was probably always destined to be self-employed and he never he never said you know you should do this or you should do that he and he's never thrown like loads of praise at me which I think is a really good thing because I sort of I never sort of settled I never thought oh well that's that's it he's he's very typical fun he goes oh okay cool yeah well done I I say I wished him happy father's day via text message on Sunday because he's we're socially he's shielding and I'd spoken to him on the Saturday and I sent him a picture from our wedding and, you know, happy Father's Day, oh, hopefully see you soon. And I just got a thumbs up emoji. <laughs> and I was like, well, that sums it up. That That's. But a man, you know, a few words, but clearly when he says them, they're worth saying. Then, they're clearly. worth saying. He's, he's a pretty good sounding board, put it that way. And I think that's what everybody needs in life is a good sounding board or three or four. And so that's a great thing then leading us onto your team. So no one's an island. Obviously, you've got business partners and things you've talked about. But what's the, who are the most important people for you in your team? So probably my whether she likes it or not, um, most important person in my team is Charlotte. She's my business partner. Um, we we have a very similar upbringing in as much as we actually grew up five minutes down the road from each other didn't ever know each other until 18 months ago but and met through a mutual friend in Nottinghamshire because we'd both moved up here very weird again weird story but I'm kind of of the opinion that these things and I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did if you want to listen to more of them then please do follow us in Apple in Google and on Podbean Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? Who got this?